learning how to protect yourself is not just about punching, kicking, fighting, shooting, or any of that kind of stuff or violence. It's about being smart. It's about understanding where threats are. It's about making sure that you create a plan for you and your family and your lifestyle to minimize the chance of violence ever coming in your life. And everybody's capable of doing that. You have to be your own protector, you know, and you have to be the protector for your family and everything. Teaching yourself to understand the tool of violence does not make you violent. As a matter of fact, it makes you want to minimize the chance of it coming in your life. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to Cyberman Podcast. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou, where we aim to make men masculine again. So today's guest is a very special guest. He's become a good friend of mine. Let me tell you the story of how I came to know him. Um, on September 17, 2017, a very good friend of mine was shot and killed in Michael's restaurant here in Toronto. Someone walked over to him, pumped him full of four bullets, and he was dead in less than a minute. And I went into a horrible space. I felt lost. I felt depressed. I felt sad, helpless, hopeless. And a friend of mine who knew me really well said, you ever heard of Tim Larkin? And I said, no, who's Tim Larkin? And he said, well, he's the world's number one expert in protection and self-protection. Long story short is I went and I did his programs and they were life-changing for me. And, you know, we're living in a time right now where men and masculinity are under assault all over the West, in particular, my home country of Canada, uh, where we have a uh, prime minister who seems to be really keen on emasculating men as much as possible. So I'm excited to have Tim Larkin here as our guest. Welcome to the show, Tim. Hey, it's great to be back, man. Um, thanks so much for uh, for having me. And dude, it's been way too long since we've hooked up. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll, we'll do more of these in uh, shorter time frames. So, yeah, you, you know, what, what's so interesting is what everything you just said is uh, the underlying the underlying thing is that each one of these these steps that we see being taken by the governments, and not just your government, I mean, it's it's pretty much the Commonwealth itself is doing it, um, as well as, you know, the U.S. is really trying to take strides. So we were, there's a lot of resistance down here towards that, but still it's progressed further than we thought in some cities. But it really is this idea of, uh, of really undercutting men and this isn't some misogynist thing. This is just, you know, the, the issue is by a lot of the um, gender fluidity stuff that you're seeing, um, all of this is being really coaxed right now. And listen, there, there are people that obviously have um, <clears throat> legit, you know, issues when it comes to gender. Um, I actually have a very good friend who is one of the top guys that does that. But what's really interesting is, He's a surgeon. He says, you have no understanding. He said, there's no way there are the numbers that they're saying there are right now. People that are in this, you know, in quote unquote, gender fluid. He said, the battery of exams you need to take to undergo any sort of a radical 
um, situation, like a, a transformation, say in a transgender situation, he said he can't believe the barriers that have been lifted to make so, such a radical you know, thing so commonplace and that you can kind of get past it. And he said, he said, you know, it's, it's dangerous. What's, what's going on right now. It We've is. got to the point to where, you know, masculinity is so destructive in the minds of, you know, these people that they're going to do anything they can across the board. And I'm not talking, I don't want to make it sound like I'm thinking that, you know, you know, the gender fluidity thing, but that's just one example, but on every aspect um, men are being told that our normal way of being, our normal way of acting is nothing but toxic. It's never needed. And um, if we could just control that, if we could get rid of this, you know, quote unquote, toxic masculinity, everything would be, you know, just so much better. And, and it's just not true. You know, um, no. it's it's this is one of the hardest times I've ever had in my life. You know, I got a young son. I got an older son who just can't believe it. You know, he, he's fine and he's, he understands it. But my son, even the schools we're sending him to, they're, they're still, you know, he's being um, any sort of normal, you know, burst of energy that a young man has uh, or anything. It's all discouraged. It's all, you know, it's all beaten down basically. Um you know, and it's really, it's just a difficult time, especially, you know, we're, we're entering into this time where there's so many increases in crime and, and, you know, there's never been a time where you yourself, you know, are, are, you have to be your own protector, you know, and you have to be the protector for your family and everything. And, and they're making it more and more difficult for us to do that. Um, yet they're making it much easier for the criminal class or, or, you know, anybody with a grievance to, to just have free reign on the streets. And it's, it's, um, it's something that if I, if I had had this conversation with you five years ago and we had predicted this, uh, you know, we would be seen as conspiracy nuts, We would, you know, and what's funny now is I have to actually kind of tone things down because so much has happened that, you know, you don't have to, you know, people don't come to me anymore with the idea of, oh, gee, I'm not really sure why I need this. They're, they absolutely know now. And they've actually seen, you know, that some, sometimes in their cities, just uh, normal services, just, you know, just, just eradicated right away. You know, police not answering calls, um, police not allowed to answer calls, people left to their own, um, you know, devices as far as to protect themselves. And yet at the same time, anytime, um, a successful use of self-defense or anything is, is used, it is written off as, you know, uh, a toxic masculinity response to things. And that it, what, what was it necessary? It, it's just really interesting that they, they found a very good area to do some real damage. And unfortunately, you know, there's you, you know, groups like this where you and I can talk and we're reaching some people, but boy, big tech's doing a hell of a job squelching the ability to get any, um, any alternative uh, information out there to, you know, this, this narrative that they're putting out. Yeah. So there's a lot that you said right there, and I want to just unpack it one at a time. No, in, in terms of gender fluidity. So one of my best friends uh, had a brother who frankly was confused about his gender identity and transition to a woman and um you know quiet person who just you could feel when you were around this individual 
that they were very deeply unhappy. They were, they were, there was a vibe that came off, you know, both when they were a man and when they were a woman, you know what I'm saying? And ended up killing themselves, himself, herself. I don't even know what to call him or her anymore. Right. I don't want to offend anybody. And, you know, this is, this is one of our best friends, uh, you know, brother who became a sister. And I have so much sympathy for my friend, for his family, for his brother slash sister and the confusion that you had to go through in order to come to this decision and, and be there. And what was super, super clear was that this was a long process. It wasn't a quick process. And like you said, there were all kinds of barriers that they had to overcome hurdles that they had to jump over before they were allowed to do this. And and even still, the underlying issues which led him to do this were not resolved. He ended up taking his own life, her own life. It was this horrible, horrible, horrible. And a good friend of mine had a son who, you know, felt like should had had a daughter who felt like should be a son. Again, went from girl to boy, and again, there was a, a huge process to go from. I'm a girl to now I'm a boy in the case of this individual. Right. And I I have a ton of sympathy for the emotional pain that these folks went through and anybody who's genuinely wrestling with this, of which there are a number of people, right. Should be given respect, should be given grace, should, should be given all the space in a free society to figure that out. The challenge is that that's not what's happening here. These people and their pain and their suffering is being used as a prop to advance a certain political agenda, which is completely messed up. And this agenda is honestly about destroying the traditional freedom-driven way of life that we have in the West. They want to knock down men and masculinity, and they're going to do anything they possibly can to make it harder and harder for traditional men, traditional masculinity to be seen as... Uh, a good thing in society. Why we have sovereign men is we're pushing back and saying, hey, no, no, this is this is not the way. This is not right. We are absolutely going to have a lot of sympathy and tolerance and love for anybody going through gender confusion, but we have zero, and I mean zero sympathy, tolerance, or, 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 or love for the people who are cynically using this to rip our society apart. Those people, as far as I'm concerned, are the enemy. We're in civil war too. The first civil war was fought with guns. This civil war is being fought in the battle place of ideas. That's the only difference. Yeah, and and what's what's really difficult is we are we are not allowed to compete in the open arena with ideas. They've successfully squelched us. You know, I have a um, I have a YouTube channel that I started over COVID, and we were we were just going nuts. I mean, it was, it was, it's shot up to 60,000 organically, you know, 60,000 subscribers organically. We were well on our way. We were on, on track within a year and a half to be well over a million, you know, and just at the, at the, at the rate we were at, um, everything was going re- really well. And then all of a sudden what was interesting was two things happened. They demonetized my most, my most popular videos. They didn't take them down. What they did was they age restricted them. 
And when they age restrict, it also demonetizes them, which means it doesn't get circulated. Age restriction means you have to sign in and do that. So now to me, naively, I thought, oh, this is great. My advertisers, you know, people that advertise with me would love the fact that nobody under 18 is seeing this, you know, because that's not their, their target market. Um, and then YouTube did two things. They changed how you were able to upload the, the videos, which meant anything that they determined, like what we're talking about right now, not being um, approved or, or could somehow hurt somebody's feelings is done. And then number two, what they do is they penalize you for your audience. So here I am putting out self-protection information. You know me, I'm agnostic. All sides need self-protection, left, right. Um, it doesn't matter. But what they'll do is they now look at your audience that you have. And if your audience frequents other uh, channels that they deem are you know, controversial, then they squelch you. So we went from this, you know, this literally spike growth to literally, I was doing 7,000, seven to 8,000 new subscribers a month, just organically, not no paid advertisement to Nikki last month. We were at 124 organic and we went from making, you know, like almost 8,000 us a month, just, on just low, low, you know, cause it's not a very big channel at 60,000 people, but it's still that it was, it was doing very lucrative advertising wise to we did. I think we did like, like uh, $600 last month. Jesus. And that's just it. That, that that's how much they, and, and when I, and I take, and, you know, understand, you know, I want you, your, your audience to understand. I'm not right. I've done Ted talks. I have spoken at Google, the Google campus twice. I was able to call my Google contacts up and they said, we're sorry you're getting lumped in in this. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, you're just, that's just the way things are now. So that's me and I'm, I'm a, I'm a regularly, I'm a pretty mild voice. I'm, I'm not political in my, um, in most of my uh, uh, content that I put out. It's, it's really about you, self-protection. You, you weren't political, but now you're considered no. political, They're whether forced, you want you to be or not. Well, yeah, you know, I'm forced to go. What really is a bummer for me is we're forced because we can't stay in the open arena. We're having to go to arenas that will allow us. And there's nothing wrong with those places like Rumble and some of the other places. But right. the problem is it's all of us together now, you know, so it's us against them. So we're not having the open conversation. Where we're all able to debate and and go back and forth, which is really detrimental because, yeah. uh, you know, the thing I'm worried about, Nikki, is. I've never seen men this squelched before. You know, you see like podcasts like a Joe Rogan that's through the roof. Why is it through the roof? Well, it's through the roof because there's no other place for men to go. You know, with podcasts like his and others and podcasts Back like off. this. Yeah. This is this is all we can do. This is where we get to talk to each other and we can talk straight to each other. Um, we ha you have to watch, you know, on every other platform, you have to be very co conscious of what you say if you don't want to get shut down. And it's just, it's a crazy time because- Right now, people need protection information more than ever. This is probably bottom line. I've never seen it. And yet, good luck trying to, you know, to get that information um, through search engines and stuff. It's, it's really, really difficult. And uh, going back to this idea that there's something wrong with the male, uh, that, 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 that men and how we communicate and how we do things somehow is so detrimental to society that literally 50% of the population has to be squelched. And you're just seeing things happen that, that I've never seen before. I've never seen so many men's groups getting together. There are some positives to this, meaning people are pushing back just like your podcast 
And that's a good thing. But the problem is we're being, you know, we're, we're, it's almost like we're, we're outlaws, you know, uh, when you have to talk about this. And, and the idea that masculinity is Buddy, we're the new civil rights heroes man yes yeah, it's crazy listen, right you, you, you it, know it, now you know how martin luther king felt in the 50s brother yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know it, it, it's well what's still crazy too is is masculinity uh and, and positive masculinity has been the reason so many so much evil has been taken out of the world you know yes are there are there times where uh you know uh you know, there have been men who, you know, have absolutely misused, you know, their strength, power, whatever. Um, are, are there misogynists out there? Absolutely. There are misogynists out there. Misogyny Just like every is group. not a world problem right now. Misand- no, it's mis- not. Misandry is, which is actually discrimination against men. Right now, no. the problem is men are being, frankly, taught, raised, encouraged, not only to honor women, which I think is a good thing, but frankly, to keep their mouths shut, even in some cases when they shouldn't keep their mouths shut. And women, unfortunately, are culturally and societally being told that men are bad, men are wrong. This is very dangerous for them. I, I, I personally think one of the most dangerous things in our society are all these movies that show women as superheroes that can beat the crap out of a 250-pound male. And yeah. some girls are trying that out in real life with some bad dudes. And it's not going well. You know, no. this is crazy, insane. You, you cannot take men out of the equation. It just can't happen. And these guys, look, if you study history, Tim, um, we are now in the late Roman Empire period in our society. Yeah. If you study Roman history before the Goths sacked Rome, Roman society had a very similar situation. The family dynamic was not being upheld anymore. They were having crazy levels of uh, anything goes when it comes to sexuality and sex and things like that. Roman citizens were not joining the Roman army to go fight. They had to go get mercenaries to fight for them. The ideal of Roman virtue was no longer a thing. You know, the Latin word for, for, uh, for man is ver. And that is the root of the word virtue, you know? So manliness was equated with virtue back in Roman times. And today manliness is equated with the opposite of virtue. And so we are, we are just repeating what happened then. And, you know, the, there's a beautiful poem written by Jeff Michael Hopp. And the poem goes something like this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. And so the cycle goes all around. We're now in the weak man times, brother. Weak men have created some hard times, brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I I do a a fairly well-known, well, really well-known group of uh, entrepreneurs that uh, they meet. You know, I, I I, I do their seminar every year. And normally it's a super positive seminar and uh, everybody's really happy. And I do the self-protection portion of it. And normally I have to calm these guys down because they're so hyped and chatty and stuff to get them to focus and actually, you know, do what I do. Cause you know what I do. I do, I do everything with me is very like, Hey, we're going to actually we're gonna work. <laughs> we're going to do work guys. And we're actually, you know, we're going to prepare for, you know, your worst case scenario here. Um, this year, Nikki, I thought I was at like, I thought it was like 2006 and I was at some, prepper convention 
Now, these are all one, you know, less than one percenters. I mean, these are the, the, the these people are extremely wealthy, extremely influential. All they talked about was they're they're preparing for eight years, eight years of, of, of issues. They are all buying larger houses, compounds per se, with generators. With these are not nuts. These are not whack jobs. These, these are, are society's people, smartest and best. I get smart, it. And they're and they're scooping it up right now. It's fascinating. Any any land with water rights, anything. Um, where they can get their own gener- generator off the grid. Um, they're all making sure they're self-sustaining as far as their own uh, food and sustaining their, their livestock. They've got, you know, they're growing um, small farms, you know, vegetable farms. They want to be self-sustaining for them and their families. And they're also banding together to join, you know, uh, in like-minded villages, like they're putting together. It's getting very tribal. Now they have the means to do this. Um, but it was crazy. It was crazy for me to sit here and listen to it because they saw it with their own eyes. It wasn't any, you didn't have to convince anybody of anything. They saw what happened in their cities. A lot of them lived in those, those cities that deteriorated and they're in the you know, best parts of those cities. Uh, I can't tell you how many New Yorkers, um, have just, you know, fled and, and it, it's something like, I've, I've never seen anything. I've seen a couple times in our country where it's been really, you know, bad and stuff, but this, with the combination of where the economy is going right now, the fact that, you know, most of us have all lost our savings, any savings that you had. And now all the stimulus money that we have here in the U S is gone. We're really worried about what's coming. Um, And they say, wait, and yet what's, what are they trying to do? They're trying to suppress any sort of idea of self-protection. You, the roaming bands can come through your neighborhood. No problem. But God forbid you and your neighbors get together and say, hey, listen, we're protecting our street. We're going to do this. We're going to do it. You're the one they're going to focus on, you know, and you're seen as the problem. If you if you sit here and say, hey, I'm not going to allow you to, you know, to run over my car or, or surround my car. You're not going to pull my you know kids out of the car. You're not going to do any of the crazy stuff that's there. Um, you know, we've never been in a situation where the marginalized and granted they had some they absolutely have been abused in the past and, and there's been some horrible things that have done people on the margins but look what happens every time you give a marginalized group their power what do you see you see overreactions and you see just incredible bully, bullying and censorship i mean they're far less tolerant of any dissenting voice than than it was before and that's what we're seeing we're seeing this overreaction by a very small group by the way that's the other thing i make sure the audience keeps reminding themselves twitter's not the real world um, you know, these, 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 these people that we're seeing, we're seeing the worst on both sides because they're getting all the attention and yet they're directing the way we all think, you know, what's happening in our schools, uh, as far as, you know, the, you know, gender, you know, gender identification and what the kids are being indoctrinated with it's, I'm, I'm really worried about the upcoming generations that way, because, um, people like me and you are seen as, you know, the dinosaurs and that, you know, this, our, our way of thinking is seen as archaic and, you know, it's, it's just not, not approved for the future. And what's, what's really interesting is never more has been needed to have real masculinity, men really prepared, men really prepared to protect. And what's interesting is the more capable you are in those areas, the more compassionate you are. Like every man I know that is really well, you know, able to protect himself and, and, and be a great dad and be a great husband and all those. He also is just a good dude, you know, for the most part. 
And I mean, yeah, there are, there's always exceptions to everybody. There are jerks everywhere, but you know, for men, um, I, I just like the problem for me is, you know, I come from the military and what's happened in the special operations community in the U S is just, it's mind boggling. It's just the stuff that it's infiltrating those areas. It's infiltrating every area. I see it in here in um, Las Vegas, you know, these judges are just letting out these, these, these just, we have a hundred, I believe 135 people on trial for murder that are out on leg, you know, just a, just a leg, uh, a leg clamp. Basically they're at home. They're on home arrest murderers are out here. You know, it's just crazy what these judges have allowed to happen. And, you know, yet we, if we want to take action or if we want to protect ourselves or say, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to do X, Y, or Z, you're seen as an extremist, uh, you know, things that were, were you know, any sort of self-reliance. Uh, it's just, it, to me, I've never had clients come to me yeah. with the strangest, you know, reaction saying, I, I can't even talk like this. I can't even, I can't talk at work like this. I can't, you know, I have to be careful what I say to my employees. I have to worry how I, I talk because it's, it, there's real consequences. I mean, these people end up losing their businesses. They get censored. Um, you, you know, as I told you, you know, you, you know, with me, any, any voice that's out there promoting, you know, self-reliance protection, responsible use of violence um, is just, you know, just absolutely squelched and you're, you're, you're written off as an extremist. Look, YouTube's, YouTube is not going to be your friend. I'll, I'll be candid. And, yeah. and Google right now is being run by a bunch of extremists itself. But yeah. look, I wrote a book with uh, Wayne Allen Root. It's called The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book. Um, came, out a, came out late last year. And it's a list of 116 companies to stop doing business with that are embracing that woke narrative and we've got successfully a bunch of folks that are pushing back i mean look at um disney in florida so ron DeSantis passed a law along with the florida legislature basically saying you can't sexualize kids you know between the ages of five and eight pretty uncontroversial from my point of view and then disney and a whole bunch of idiots no no no, you should be able to do this and ron DeSantis said all right tax uh status gone gone um and then all of a sudden a whole bunch of parents stopped going to disney world whole bunch of people stopped watching disney plus my kids you know like disney the marvel universe i said we ain't we ain't giving them a penny not one freaking penny and they lost 63 billion dollars in market share walt disney was a great american patriot he's rolling in his grave it's what's going on right now but that was a strong pushback and there are a lot of other uh, folks that are pushing back against these types of companies. And I'm not worried about the U.S. because I believe, you know, you're the folks who won your country over with the revolution with guns. These guys push you too hard. You're going to come swinging. There's 130 million gun owners in America. I wouldn't want to be Joe Biden trying to take away all their guns, man. I, I, no, and, there, and there's a strong veterans community that really feels betrayed. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of and listen, I'm not talking civil war here. I'm Nobody's not, talking about that. Nobody's it, talking it's about not that, that, but it's just, it's just, we're not going to, you're not going to see people just stand by anymore. And, no. and that's like, that's the encouraging thing that you're seeing is that people are starting to realize that, Hey, these groups, they're paper tigers for the most part. They don't have the numbers 
You know, they don't have the numbers to back up. And they're the wimps. Yeah. Oh, they are. Are are they going to come to to fight Tim Larkin on the street? I'd like to see one of them try that. I really would. I'd like to see 10 of them try to attack you. (laughs) It'd be funny. Well, yeah, but the the, the reason also, though, is is they, they don't, their arguments don't stand up to scrutiny. And then that's just it. They don't want to engage. They want to suppress because they can't, they can't, they can't hang with, you know, a back and forth on you know the merits of the arguments no, that they did. They, they put together, they dissolve immediately because they're ridiculous. I mean, the, the latest uh, thing that Matt Walsh did on the, um, what is a know, woman? What is a woman? Yeah. That was fun. Just asking that question, just asking that question. None of them could define what they were trying to define. You know, all these experts on, on, on the left. And all I, these, I could you know, do it for them. Yeah, it's very straightforward, man. Everybody, straightforward. Knows, you know, but the problem is we're, we're, they literally are trying to tell you, no, that's not true. That's not true. You know, none of this, this is true. And, and to what end? The, what it does is it, it's not about us, Nikki. It's not about us and, and guys our age. It's about the upcoming generation. That's yeah. what they're banking on. And that's what I'm worried about. You know, I look at my young, my young son's 11. And, you know, I'm, I'm really carefully curating, you know, what he sees and what he participates in. And, you know, um, one good thing about this is the parents are getting involved in that sort yeah, of are. thing. Because before they were there, yeah, watch whatever. Hey, what the hell are you COVID, watching? And that was the one good thing about COVID because, you know, you I remember I had my kids and they're all on their iPads and you start hearing what these teachers are saying. And that's what happened. A lot of parents actually heard what the, were, their kids were getting instructed in, and they were questioning it. And of course, you know, they were outraged, especially the teachers unions down here were extremely outraged that the parents were actually participating and trying to push back. And then they quickly saw that, oh, okay, we're getting exposed now. And they're starting to see it. Well, and then the fact that San Francisco got rid of that DA. Yeah, man, that, that was, was in the, that's I gotta tell you, I did a happy dance over that. But there's no, but the but the thing is that people got to understand there are no Republicans up there. That was this guy was so bad that the Democrats had to get rid of him because there's no anybody that was a Republican was out of there a long time ago, and and it's not about you know Republican good you know Democrats bad. It's just like here's the problem: the, they, the people that promulgated these these policies literally this guy was so extreme that they had to get rid of him. Um, so it's a, it's a good sign that stuff like that's getting getting kicked did you back. See, I, did I have you see some the, hope. Did you see the um, the little graphic Elon Musk put out? Yes, that, you know that was brilliant. Yeah, the out, stick graphic. The, the stick, stick graphic. Man? Yeah. yeah. So Elon yeah. Musk, who was a lefty, <laughs> is now right of center, and yeah. Bill Maher, who was an extreme lefty, is now slightly right yeah. of center. It's crazy, bro. They are and, pushing you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of so credit to them. Leftists. A lot of credit to them, though, for doing that. They're pushing like, like he so didn't... many leftists to, to the right. It's crazy. Well, yeah, but, but a lot of credit to the, the, the guys like Mars stand their ground and, and do that because he is definitely a liberal. He's not a leftist, though, you know, and, and that's that's where he um, that, that that's where 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 he delineates. And listen, I, that, that's great. We can have the conversations. Those are great to have back and forth. But the censorship. And the squelching of this and then trying to you made a point about the superhero movies. That's a that's a very uh, Disney did a whole thing on that and and on on why they did the strategy behind that. And what's really interesting, they found that millennial males like to see that and that that the millennial males, uh, as far as their their um, dating on this and in the way they interact sexually is 
far different from, you know, when you and I were, were going up, you know, we, I did, I have a couple of friends that, yeah, I knew they were gay, no, no big deal. Yeah. Here it's like huge numbers. Like this, this back and forth is, is, you know, sometimes you're bi, sometimes you're not, and it's all being accepted and kind of marginalized uh, the masculinity well, side of things. Society, and it's the fact where heterosexuals, heterosexuals are feeling, are feeling like they're, they can't, they can't say that they're heterosexual and it's, you know, it's crazy. Roman society in around 400 yeah. AD brother, this is what, what's going on right now. I mean, you study that, that's exactly what it is. You look at ancient Greece, it was the same. Every man back then was expected to take on a male lover. And yeah. it was, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with that. If that's how you're inclined, but to feel like you're forced to do it is messed up, man. It's as bad as back in the day, forcing well, the homosexual man to take on a heterosexual wife. You know, yeah. It's, it's awful. Yeah. And, and that, that's the problem is the problem is like, uh, there's no tolerance on either. So now granted, uh, nothing like, my generation probably is really come around to being a far more tolerant than we were in our twenties. You know, it's amazing. Now when I talk to my friends about, you know, what was acceptable when we were kids versus now. And, and, you know, the problem is, you know, they want to undo everything that made, you know, the country great. And they want to undo this idea that it's there. There are times, unfortunately, there are times when you need, you know, male, you know, male energy and male resistance to be able to go up and, and take on some of the evil that's out there. And I know and people get, you know, they roll their eyes when you talk about evil and stuff like that. They go, oh, yeah, you know, you're having this, you know, male fantasy. No, there's real evil, dude. There's there's real stuff that's yeah, the out there. There's horrible, trying to, horrible stuff. The devil's greatest trick was he persuaded us he didn't exist and he does exist. Yeah. My buddies that went over just recently back over to Afghanistan, my vet buddies that went over to try to help out and pull people back. I mean, the stuff they saw was just horrific, you know, and what we did over there as a country, you know, I'm talking about my country was, was just unconscionable, you know, to, to those people. And yet what was interesting was you saw this group of guys who are out. These are, these are vets that are out. They left their jobs, their families and everything to fly over there and try to help to bring back some of the guys that worked with them, where we promised that we'd take care of them and their families and stuff. And these guys went over there and just did everything they could to bring yeah, people over. I saw over, Tim Kennedy you know? do that, right? Yeah. He basically yeah, Tim did put, that with his group. And, he put and, his life yeah, on hold it, for two months and just, he just yeah. got so many people out. That man's, that man's a hero, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's just outstanding. I'm going to have him on um, on my podcast soon. Um, he's he's uh, good friends with a couple of my people there. Just a, just a solid dude. Talking to him, he's exact the way you see him when you talk to him in person. It's the exact same guy. You know, I love people like that. You know, I I, I can't stand when you get the profile guy and then you get the guy. You know, this is how I really am. Tim is solid across the board that way, and it's, yeah, it's and he's, nice. He's funny as shit. And when you watch yourself oh on God, Instagram, he's, he's just funny yeah. as shit. But 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 that's why you know why are the, why are his why are guys like that why are their why are their 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 channels so popular and their their accounts so popular because young men are starving for mentorship for leadership they don't have anybody they can't go anywhere and they're told if they talk like that that they're bad so they go on and they 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 get to hear guys like that and they get to be told hey it's okay to be a guy it's okay for us. This is positive. This is what we do. It's this not is how just we... okay to be a man. It's glorious to be a man. Yeah. yeah. It's well, absolutely fucking awesome being a man. I'll yeah. tell you something. Just like, uh, I love being a man. It's fantastic being a man. And you know what? Even in these times, you know, there's a fellow named Milo Yiannopoulos. He was a, a <laughs> provocateur, a gay man. 
in a in a conservative provocateur. Interesting combination to say the least. And he yeah. was doing a talk, and I saw a clip of it on 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 uh, on YouTube back in the days before YouTube throttled his uh, his numbers. And um, someone was was saying, if you think the world is so bad and 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 men have been put down so much, so do, do you? Do you hold out any hope for men in the future? And he says, absolutely, I do. And they said, really? Because you sounded like you didn't. And he said, yeah, because men will do what men have always done. Fight against the odds and beat them. That's what makes yeah. men men. And I just listened yeah. to that. I said, damn fucking right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And hey, we're living in hard times right now. No one's going to deny that. No one's going to dispute that. I brought you on because I believe self-protection and protection are a man's duty and the men that listen to this, you know, as few or as many as they may be, we're going to get to more men. YouTube yeah. and Facebook and all those companies can try to throttle organic growth. But you know what? There's still something called good old fashioned word of mouth. Someone's yep. going to listen to this and go, oh, yeah, you should listen to this episode here. Let me send it to you. And they'll send it to a few others and they'll send it to a few others. They were throttling Andy Frisella. Right of the real AF podcast, yep. they were throttling him. They were cutting him back, and it still didn't work because people were listening to the show and they were passing it on to their friends. I pass on episodes that I like from people like Andy to people I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we're that's what we're all going to do. But more importantly, though, we got to hold the line enough so that people start hearing about us. Big tech thinks they've got everything under control, but the truth is they don't. The truth is they don't. No, and, and that's that's the that's the really encouraging and interesting thing. Um, I, I see I see little little glimmers every every day. I was I was telling this to somebody the other day. Um, here in Vegas, I do a I, I, I do weight vest walks like three times a week. I, I just one of one of the things I do, uh, kind of on recovery days. And I go by a park. It's right by my house. And so I'm I'm walking the park. And the first lap I look and it's, it's just literally, you know, like a, like a football field type thing. Um, there's a group of kids, a group of young men. They're in a big circle. I can see their big circle. I can see there's some activity going on in there. So I walk by and I look in, I go, Oh, there are two kids. There are two kids with boxing gloves and they're fighting. And there's another kid playing a ref and they both have corner men. I could tell all of this. And these guys were around. And there's cheering going on, but it's very, I could tell it was a very controlled situation. So I walked by the first time I didn't do anything. I could do my first lap. I come back the second time. I couldn't control myself. And I had to walk up into those guys. Now they probably looked at me first. They probably thought I was a cop or something. I was going to break them up. And I go, Hey guys. And a couple of them look at me and I said, what you got going on here? And they looked at me and they could tell, okay, he's not going to, he's not going to try to break us up or anything. They said, well, this guy, they pointed to one of the kids in the ring. They go, he has a problem with this guy. And this kid goes, yeah, because he said this about my mom. And, and, and we saw how it was going. And these guys, we knew something was going to happen. So we decided, well, we're going to do it the right way. And they got amongst themselves. They got boxing gloves. They agreed upon their own rules. They had corner men. They had cut, you know, they had stuff in case anybody got hurt. They had ice packs, everything. And they're all being very civil about it. And they were encouraging each other on, on there and the whole thing. And they, they just kind of looked at me and they go, well, you know, is there a problem? I go, no, there's no problem. I said, and I just, I just said to him, I said, Hey, listen, guys, I go, it's nice to see men being, you know, and I said, F and men. 
and they laughed. They can, all started you laughing. You on this show, bro. <laughs> yeah, well, I just, I don't want to be careful in case. But, but you know, they, they were shocked that I said that. And I said, no. And, and then I pointed to two guys and I go, you know what? You two knuckleheads will probably end up being best friends, you know, because that was it. But what I, what I liked was I saw young men taking action. They knew it was dicey what they were doing because they couldn't do it at school. Mm-hmm. And they just they decided, but they cared enough about their friends to give away to, 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 to resolve the issue without it getting really bad. And that's just what people don't understand. You know, we, as men, you know, violence is, is part of our nation. And what I mean by violence is physical. We're physical with each other. We push each other around. We, 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 jo- we joke very differently and we interact very differently than women do. And we need that outlet. You know, it's, it's a very positive thing. But if you don't provide that outlet, it will go places you don't want it to go. And, and that, to me, is the disappointment is that young men are not being given the physical outlets and not being able to express things. Um, you know, uh, anytime they're, they're expressing things in the way that men normally would express things, they're being told, no, 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 that, that is, you know, that is uh, violent, that is not positive. And it's such a lie, you know, and, it, and unfortunately, these kids are, you're seeing the results of it. You know, you're seeing results at school where if the bully gets in a fight with a good kid, both kids are expelled or both kids are kicked out and suspended. It's there's no delineation between good and bad. So they're absolutely just the, yet this kid, I remember my son, you know, when he was growing up though, my older son, when he was growing up, he had to worry. He goes, dad, if I get in a fight, I get kicked out. It doesn't matter who's who. I mean, they had to, you know, they would live under the terror of these bullies because of these, you know, so, so-called well-meaning intentions by people. Um, listen, we understand as men, yes. Can violence be really ugly and can it go, the wrong places yes but to have completely suppressed and not given good physical outlets for it is probably one of the most destructive things we could do to our society because when it does come out it's going to be such an overreaction and it's going to just be ugly and you see it all the time when people don't have these outlets you'll see you know you'll see a disproportional response to some sort of a slight you know you'll you know whereas kids used to have a fist fight now they'll go grab a gun you know, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll shoot each other. Uh, it's, it's just crazy. Some of the stuff that we're seeing down here, but me as a, as you know, growing up, I mean, I grew up, my, my grandfather was a boxer and, you know, I mean, I, I as a young kid, I, I just, you know, one of the first things I learned was how to fight, you know, it's just something that my, my heritage is Irish. And that was just something that my cousins and I were all expected to be able to do. We were told how to do it. We were told, you know, never start it, but you know, don't let anybody bully you all really positive things that boys should know, you know, they should be taught. I don't, I'm not going to go looking for it, but if somebody's coming to me or my family, yeah, no, they're not, they're not going to get through there. I'll say this to you. I've got two sons. I've got one who's 16 and one who's 14. And my 14-year-old the other day said to me, I, I want to go out late with my sons. I said, well, you're 14. I'm not going to let you go out past like nine, quarter after nine. He says, come on, Dad. I said, look, things can go down. It's crazy. He said, Dad, I'm big. If anyone comes after me, I'll beat them up. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, so right. bravado of a 14-year-old. And, you know, I looked at him and I said, I'm glad that you are you know, enough into yourself as a boy on his way to being a man, you can say something like this, but no, you're not going to beat anybody up. And if it's with the wrong person, you could be the one getting beaten up. You know what I'm saying? And 
He said, I took karate. I said, yeah, but you stopped taking karate three years ago, kid. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's not that you, you, you are right now fully trained on taking care of yourself. And, but it was nice to see that, that I've done at least something right in terms of raising these boys. And then my other boy is 16 years old and he's part of a soccer team. And during the winter in Toronto, it's cold. I think you know that, right? This is not oh, yeah. like Vegas in, no, the, no. in the winter. And last year, a number of the coaches and the players chose not to take the uh, the jab. And Ontario had a rule in place saying that you couldn't be indoors unless you'd taken the jab. And so the coach, the head coach of the team said, okay, well, we're not going to be going indoors because the whole team has to train together. We'll keep training outdoors in the winter in Toronto, soccer. And so these boys would wear, you know, very light clothing. And my son is crazy because he just wore shorts yeah. <laughs> and they played soccer. I took video clips of this. I took photos of this yeah. and I run this men's group. And some of these men were bitching about, you know, me getting them to keep their word. And, and we, we were doing some outdoor um, fire meetings around the fire it was in april which is you know not super cold but still cold and these men didn't want to come they know it's too cold it's raining and then i posted the video clip and the photos of my boy i said at the time they were 15 i said these boys are 15 years old and they're fucking practicing in the goddamn snow you fucking right. pussies <laughs> you know what i'm saying you yeah. fucking pussies you're grown-ass men and these 15 year olds or more manly than you are. And they all shut up and they all said, okay, we're coming. <laughs> it, was, well, you, it just ended the discussion. It was, it was a great use of positive peer pressure on these men, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, and that's, that's another quick thing. This whole idea of uh, you can't shame anybody, you know, shame actually is, is a very, very good motivating tool. Now I'm not talking about abusive shaming. I'm talking about positive shaming. Like you just said, you positively shame these guys to make them remember who they are. You know, and, and the idea is that, yes, you know, we live in a great time in society for the most part. You know, it's, it's awesome. It's super comfortable. You want you have to go out of your way to find discomfort and you should go out of your way to find discomfort because that's where you start to learn about yourself. And, you know, that that's my biggest thing. Like, like people, I think the reason so many men haven't sought out how to, you know, do self-protection, you know, real self-protection for themselves, uh, is because they put all these barriers in front of them. And so, you know, what I want to make sure I get across to your audience is, listen, the first thing you need to tell yourself, if, if this is the case, you know, not, this won't be everybody, but if the case is that you've never trained, you, you don't know anything about it, start there, go admit that, you know, go, Hey, I don't know anything. I know I'd like to learn this stuff. Is there, and find somebody that will sit there and take you at that level and say, you know what? That's awesome. Here's the first thing you need to do. Now, the good part about it is if you don't know anything, you don't have any bad habits. So you can actually get really good information. And it's okay. It's just like any other learned skill. This is not turning you into a UFC champion or anything like that or no. any of, the, any of the, the weird stuff that actually is negative if you start thinking like that. Because most people don't want to, to you know, go into those worlds. But learning how to protect yourself is not just about punching, kicking, fighting, shooting, or any of that kind of stuff or violence. It's about being smart. It's about understanding where threats are. It's about making sure that you 
create a plan for you and your family and your lifestyle to minimize the chance of violence ever coming in your life. And everybody's capable of doing that. Um, you know, do you need some training? Yeah, absolutely. You should get training. Um, but do you have to become some world-class, you know, brawler or, or, you know, secret soldier or anything like that? No, you don't. You can be highly, highly effective just being a normal human being that employs some really good principles and it's fun. It's, it's actually like, like you taking the guys out and getting them to be out in the elements, have a little bit of discomfort. I'm sure while they're going through it, it's not the best. I'm sure. That, you know, maybe there's some grumbling, but I'll tell you what, I bet at the end when they actually got to get home, they look back on it and they go, wow, I actually did something. Actually, I, I stuck it out. I did that. And it's little things like that, that just make all the difference, you know, cause we've forgotten, we've forgotten what it's like to be out in the elements. We've forgotten what a little discomfort is. We've forgotten what it's like to not have immediate access to something or immediate gratification, you know, um, all those things, you know, we have to go out of our ways to put in our life, but we absolutely should. And um, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing things like that because, you know, it's that, it's that taking you out of your comfort zone type of thing that is missing in, in most of our lives right now. And it's a reason that there's this complacency and just this acceptance of, of really, I, I don't even want to call it feminization, even though it is feminization, it is feminization. But because I don't want it to seem like, like, like I think there's anything wrong with, with women. There, there is, no, we love women, just, but, 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 but for feminizing men, feminized is bad. It's, it's, it's just, that's toxic. That's what, that, that's what is really toxic because without a strong, you know, I have twin daughters that are eight years old and my, my, my youngest son is 11. They all live here at the house with us. Nikki, they couldn't be any more different, like naturally different, what their interests are. And you know what? You celebrate those differences. I have spent yesterday at a recital for my daughters when they're the ballet. And oh my God, we didn't take my son just because he would have been bored <laughs> off of his <laughs> gourd. But those girls loved it. They were there. Now they also are in martial arts and they're doing all that. But the femininity side of what they love is there and encouraged. And we're doing the same with my son, meaning I'm encouraging the girls get to see him in his jujitsu practices. They get to see him when he's doing his track and field and in doing all the things that he encourages, you know, and it's, it's, it's cooperative, but it's celebrating the differences between men and women, not trying to make us the same, you know, androgyny is not going to do anything for us. No, it's, it's, it, it, it's not. So Tim, let's get into self-protection for men. Yeah. So I think every man needs to be able to protect himself and needs to be able, be able to protect his family. This is physical protection. It's financial protection. Frankly, it's emotional protection. I know you got a lot to say about this, so let's hear from you. Yeah. The, the, the start is the fact that, first of all, you got to give yourself to, to you got you to tell yourself you're worth protecting. You know, you're like you, your family, your lifestyle, you know, that's, that's the first step really is the fact that, listen, um, it's okay for me to want to protect the things that I love and, and, and who I am. And everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. No, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many people, when you really confront them with some things, they will capitulate. They will say, well, you know, I won't do this or I won't do this. And it's like, what, your life's not worth this. You know, you get the lifestyle that you have, the people that love you, you know, it, it, it's crazy what I, what I hear from some people. And a lot of it, I think is just out of fear. 
You know, it's the fear that they're going to get it wrong, especially as you get older. You know, I always, I always tell my classes of adults, you know, Hey guys, number one thing I need you to do during their training time here is give yourself permission to do this poorly because it's new information. And, and I think we lose that as we get older. As a matter of fact, every year I pick a new skill set that I'm terrible at and I become, you know, I essentially become a white belt and whatever that is, you know, and I learn all over again. And it does two things for me. First, it gets me in that, that new learning, you know, that that's where most, where you're making most of your mistakes and where you're really bad at something is where you're making your most progress. That's where your body's really learning. And number two, it makes me a much more compassionate, better instructor in what I do when I have new people, because I understand what it's like to be that new person and, you know, how, it, how, how it overwhelms them. So the number one thing is, you know, it's not about necessarily what you train in uh, at, at the beginning. It's, it's really about just doing it. In, in getting in there, finding an instructor that you gel with, you know, in whatever you're chosen, if it's firearms you're, you're interested in, if it's martial art that you're interested in or combat sport, that, that's all great. But the idea behind it is, okay, I want to make sure that I create a lifestyle that I know worst case scenario, if everything fails, I have some training. Meaning if, if, if I'm facing a bigger, faster, stronger, and we have to always assume they're going to be multiple attackers, they're going to be bigger, faster, and stronger, and they're probably going to carry weapons. That's the baseline for everybody I train. We make those assumptions. But I also tell everybody what you're about to learn as far as using physical violence against somebody to protect yourself. This is your break glass in case of war. This is when everything else has failed. You know, any you failed to use your situational awareness. You failed to make sure that you didn't, you know, uh, uh, you didn't, you didn't think about, you know, the, the way you were going, uh, that part of, in that part of town, you knew it was a bad part of town, but you needed to cut some time. So you thought you could cut through and do a shortcut, all these things. What I found Nikki is when you take people and you immerse them in the worst case scenario where they have to use their, their brain and their body to protect themselves and learn how to shut down another human being that's trying to literally kill them. That when you pull them back from that, then they're willing to make the better choices in their life. Because now in the back of their mind, they're going, man, if I make, if, if I do some stupid stuff and allow the possibility of violence coming in my life and I have to use this, this is really serious. This is going to be with me, you know, the rest of my life. And I better damn well make sure that it's justified as far as that, because I'll tell you the number one thing that clients come back to me with is if they've had to use the information to a person, I haven't had somebody say, yeah, and you know what? I knew it was bad here, but because of social awkwardness or something, I didn't take action until it was too late and I had to use violence to protect myself. And so my biggest thing through going through training with people is not necessary to turn them into these super soldiers, but you'll be very competent. Don't get me wrong. But the real thing is the amazing behavioral changes that make some people. Because they sit there and go, where in my life am I taking unnecessary risk? Where am I doing things that could potentially bring violence into my life or my family's life? And they start doing better things. They start making just basics, you know, making sure that they're locking their doors at night, you know, all the stupid stuff they were doing before. Um, here in America, a lot of times people are very lazy with their firearms. You know, they'll leave their firearms in cars and stuff like that. Um, you know, they just, my clients start making these amazing changes in their life that just minimize the chance of violence coming in their life. And that's the cool part about it. The more competent you are in using lethal force, the more peaceful your life is. You know, it, it's the exact opposite. 
teaching yourself to understand the tool of violence does not make you violent. As a matter of fact, it makes you want to minimize the chance of it coming in your life. And, you know, that to me is the, is the greatest thing because what I see a lot of times is I see clients come in and they're all, they don't realize they're all victims of that 800 pound gorilla in the room that they're not, that they keep ignoring. And it's that 800 pound gorilla in the room is that potentiality for violence. And they'll feel it every so often. They'll be in a part of town where they see a couple of guys and all of a sudden they're uncomfortable. They just get that nonverbal warning that mm, these are not good people. And then they sit there and realize, guess what? I got nothing in the toolbox for this. And that happens a couple of times. And then they usually show up, you know, to train because they realize, you know what? I don't want to feel like this anymore. I want to start making better choices. And so to me, that's the coolest thing about this is it's available to everybody. This tool of violence is available to everybody. And when you learn where in the human body, everybody's susceptible. And I mean, everybody, yeah. you know, think of the, the most, you know, the, whoever your nightmare guy is. You know what? He has a throat. He has eyes. He has, uh, you know, he has a liver. He has spleen. He has all these vulnerable areas of the human body that we all have. And if you know how to exploit them, you know, especially with us, what we do is we don't teach you to compete with anybody. We teach you to use the skill sets of destruction. A predator makes a mistake. He brings a body part close to you because he does not fear you, does not think you know anything. And now you're able to exploit that to save your own life. And, and we've done that for numerous clients, you know, in the past. And I'll just tell you the difference in people's lives when they've had a little bit of this training. Um, they're much calmer. They don't do things that they used to do. They don't react uh, to verbal uh, insults or provocations the way they used to socially. Um, if somebody cuts them off on the road, they don't immediately flash their lights or flip the person off. Mm. They realize, they go, you know what? I don't need to accelerate that. I don't need to. To, to participate in any of this. They quickly learn all the things that they don't have to do anymore. They don't have to, to react to anymore. And they more specifically understand exactly what they do have to react to should violence come in their lives, you know? And, and that's, that to me is probably one of the greatest gifts you can give anybody. It really is. It really is. Um, you know, I was just thinking about some of those vulnerable parts on the human body when you spoke to me. I was thinking about my friend, Simon. I mean, he had no idea this was going to happen to him, obviously. But, you know, if he had been trained, if he had the cues, who knows? Maybe he would have been able to stop that attacker. You know, maybe it would have been that attacker that would be uh, expiring rather so than my friend, Simon. And what's so funny, Nikki, is is people are probably already imagining, oh, what, what you he would have gone after a guy that had the gun and stuff. No, you know what? he probably would have noticed like weeks prior or something, you know, something wasn't right or just that he wasn't having feelings or something. There'd be intuition that because he'd be situationally aware for something like that. And maybe he would have made a decision that would have made it much harder for that individual to do that at that time. You know, there's just, I can't tell you how many people have had, have just said, you know what, I was about to do this. And last minute, something just told me it had made no, no, no reason whatsoever. Just non-verbally, my body was telling me don't do this. And I didn't do it. And then, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and that's just, I want people just to understand that it's not about, um, you know, worst case scenario. Yes. If the guy came at him and he could get close enough to the, the, to, to the guy with the gun. Yes. We, we do deal with those scenarios because unfortunately, sometimes you got that answer and you have to just deal with it. Yeah, you do. Um, but what's more interesting is how many people, once they have the training are much more in tune to potentialities like that. And, 
um, they, they're just much harder targets. That's what I want. I, I want to turn my client into somebody that the predator looks at and says, you know what? Too, too, too much, too much work, too much work. Sorry about that. Um, uh, That's what makes this show raw and real, brother. Shit like this happens, it. and we don't edit it. it out. It's I'm sitting there making sure like everything is, and then of course it just blurps out. <laughs>
um, wins that way. You don't need to have these big tech companies platforms, screw them and their platforms. Get yourself on these other platforms like Telegram and, and uh, Signal and so forth too. And you, I think you'll be fine. You're going to get this, this stuff figured out. And it's my belief that in the next two years, uh, America is going to um, push back against the woke mobocracy and they're going to crush it. And America is uh, a country that was created by godly men. And it's a country that was created to help every man and woman on the planet believe that freedom, which is their birthright given to them by almighty God, is something that they deserve and that they can and should have. And it is my belief that the 2022 midterm elections in the United States will be a historic route for the Democratic Party. They will not have lost this many seats since the 1890s uh, yeah. under, under the um, leadership of House Republican uh, Speaker Thomas Reed of Maine. Um, the Republican Party then won 300 seats. And I think the Republican Party, they're not just going to win 30 or 40 seats. They're going to win something like 80 or 90 or even 100 seats. It's going to be a historic shellacking. There's going to be seats that have not gone Republican in generations that are going to go Republican. And Well, I'm, I'm hoping if that happens, and I think, I think you're very, I'm very much tracking that way. I hope people then, I think what that will do is that it'll be very good politically, I think, you know, for especially all the craziness that's going on right now. But more importantly, I think it'll really start to show the emperor has no clothes, that the big tech gaslighting and everything, they can't suppress the majority. They can't yeah. suppress, you know, common sense and, and what people want, you know, and, and, and most of what they're suppressing has nothing to do with politics left or right. It's, it's, it's family, it's lifestyle, it's, it's you know, uh, you know uh, uh, ethics, basically, you know, that, that people want. People don't want to suppress others from not having the lifestyles they want. I just said, you know, I'm compassionate to anybody, especially. I can't imagine what it would be like if I felt, you know, that literally I was in the wrong body and stuff like that. I'm very compassionate towards that. What I'm not going to, though, is, is, is I'm not going to go to the extreme to where somebody who was born a biological male can then compete against one of my daughters. No, that's not. That's, that's, that's insane. It's absolutely insane. And, and, and there's no justification for it. And, um, you know, and vice versa, you'll, you'll notice it's not happening the other way around. It's not no, biological so. females that then become males are getting in there. No, why? Because they can't. No, they, man, they, they this has become, this has allowed some cynical people to go, okay, I can't cut it as a man. So I'm going to say I'm a woman and I'm going to just make myself feel better by beating up on a bunch of girls. It's ridiculous. And in MMA fights, I've seen guys yeah. say I'm competing as a woman and they, they fracture the skulls and the orbital oh, bones yeah. of these it's girls. horrible what they do. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. I, if I were a girl, I would not, I would not get in a ring with someone like that. That's just absolutely insane. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's messed up. Speaking of, of, of getting in the ring, I mean, you were talking about self-protection is different than getting into the ring. I was thinking, you know, some of these UFC fighters, UFC champions, Tim, these guys are tremendously great uh, fighters in the ring, but they're not stone cold killers. They haven't gone out there and trained to uh, end someone's life or, or, or give them an injury that's going to end their careers. In fact, they're encouraged not to do that in the ring because, you know, it could it could cost them. Right. It could cost yeah. them the ability to continue fighting in the UFC. And uh, then I think about someone like Tim Kennedy, right, who fought in the UFC 
and was an actual stone cold killer. And if I were a UFC fighter and I was getting the ring with that man or Mirko Krokop, remember Mirko Krokop? Oh yeah. Yeah. Who oh, like yeah. was on an anti-terrorism, you know, I'm like highly trained. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I look at those two dudes and I go, I'm not getting the fucking ring with those men. Those are actual killers. Some could just switch and flip in their heads and they could just decide, I'm going to take this guy out for real. No more of this yeah. bullshit about we're in a ring and there's rules and shit. Fuck the rules. He's dead. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a different, it's not the combat sports aren't designed to, uh, to maim, cripple and kill, not. you know, and nor should they be, you know, there's, there's nothing, there, there's nothing, there's nothing good about that. I mean, there, violence has no direct violence, you know, trauma and injury has no place in real competition. Uh, you want to better each other and see who does that. That's why you have the rules. You know, it's really funny, Nikki. I, I recently started taking up jujitsu here. Uh, my, my little guy's doing it and I wanted to jump in. A lot of my SWAT buddies are in it and stuff like this. And we have an amazing instructor out here. Guy's a, a red belt, which is there's only like 30, I think 32 of them in the world. And he's That's one of them. Black belt? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's just a, he's a true master and he's just a, an amazing individual. But for me, my first couple of sessions and I'm a white belt and I'm having, you know, they're going, Hey, you can be more aggressive. So it wasn't that I wasn't being aggressive. It was that I had to stop myself from all the direct access that you can, that you get to injury, meaning just the way I was trained. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a disrespectful way. Cause I, th- I got a lot of respect for jujitsu players, but what was interesting to me was when you gamify violence, like, like you do, it just came home to me that, you know, here are these guys taking steps are literally stepping over my head right here and putting their crotches like, right. Right. Just, they put such vulnerable parts of their body in these positions that you can easily Easy exploit. Access, yeah. But you're not because you don't train that way. It's it's not something that you can access. Nor could you compete that way. Obviously, you know we're talking about that. But for <laughs> me, my first two sessions were basically me stopping, going, nope, can't do that, nope, can't do that, nope, can't do that. You know, and just and learning what they're teaching me. And it was a very indirect path uh, to self protection. Is is what I what I saw. Not, and I want to be very clear with it. Not that one is better than the other. It's it's you got to get the right tool for the right objective. And I always tell people, what are you training for? You know, are you training for your self-protection, the potentiality of criminal violence coming in your life? Okay. I'm, I'm really good at that. That's that you want to, I can help you with that. If you want to compete and you want to, you know, go in there and be a, a combat sport practitioner, I'm the worst person to, for you to go to. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't do that. And there are far better people than me to do that. But the only way you can gamify violence is if you take direct injury to the human body out of the equation. And, and that's what's done. When you look at the rules, the majority of the rules in any of these combat sports take out direct injury to the human body. It's yeah, illegal. If, if you injured, you know, the person you're yeah. fighting with, you wouldn't have much of a sport, right? I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's, yeah. it's rough well, enough. Those, those, see, those dudes get hurt see, bad you enough. Get, you know, yeah, you can get criminally prosecuted for it too. Yeah, you know, if you, if you do do that, you know, most of the, most should, of the rules have you that. should, if yeah. you're trying to like actually oh, take the guys, uh, you, you know, uh, career out by, by hurting him in that fashion, you should be criminally prosecuted. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Uh, I, I just, I just thought it was funny. You know, when you were talking, Hey, I, I, I just want to just make you be aware. Like I, I, I backed up. I have another, I have another, uh, a call that I have to do in about 10 minutes. Yeah, no worries. We'll, we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up. It's yeah. just, I'm just, I, just, I just want to be, I'm just enjoying this call, man. I'm just enjoying yeah, this. I could keep going, Nikki. Dude, I, dude, we I could hope we have a follow up. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do. You know what? Let's book, let's book like a Joe Rogan style podcast. Let's just like book two and a half hours one day. Oh, yeah. just, just go to town. It'd be fun. So Tim, no um, 
if folks want to uh, find out about your programs, let's send them primarily to your website. We'll tell them about your socials, but what's the website they need to go to? Yeah, if they go to Tim Larkin, just timlarkin.com, I made it really easy. If you just, we have a free masterclass there. Just give us your email. And by having the email, that's one of the great things is, you know, now, no matter what happens on all the other platforms, we can stay in touch with you. And we don't share it with anybody but it's direct access. You give us your email and immediately the whole masterclass opens up to you. It's absolutely free. And it's, you know, it helps you put together, start putting that plan together for not only you, but your family and how to minimize the chance of violence coming in your life, you know, and learning some really good, effective tools. And if folks want to go do your programs, like the ones that I did, uh, what's the best way for them to sign up for that? Same same thing. Once you're on our email list, you'll get access to all of that. You know, we will tell you when the trainings are, cool. we'll tell you where they are right now. We're just doing Las Vegas. I have a new compound here in Las Vegas, but believe me, I want to get back on the road again. And I'm still thinking it's going to be another probably six months before I start traveling again. That's cool. But, uh, you know, it, it'd be fun to have you, um, come and do this for folks again. And, uh, I'm getting a good group of men going inside sovereign men and sovereign circle is our program for men. We've got about uh, 25 odd men in that right now. Our goal is to get to 50. And when that's ready, let's, let's have a conversation about you doing a, a program for the minute. That'd be great. I'd love to come up. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun. They're not all from Toronto. They're from all over. We, ha- we actually have an LA County homicide cop. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. He's a pretty neat dude. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll connect him with you and your stuff at some point, but I think that's very important for men to come and do this kind of work, do this kind of training. And um, listen, if you're listening to this program, Tim Larkin's The Real Deal, go check out his stuff. Go to timlarkin.com. And if you're a man right now who agrees with Tim and I's assessment that the world is taking a big crap all over men and masculinity, and you want to be a part of something that allows you to push back against that and allows you to, to, to be reminded that you, like every man, are a warrior and a badass within, then check out sovereignman.ca check out our program sovereign circle and you know what come be part of a brotherhood that's going to sharpen you and make you be uh a man that is um frankly not a pussy anymore you know if you know you've been too soft in your life you need to be a part of something that's going to make you harder and sharper so let's make sure we do that tim man thanks a lot for coming on the show brother you got it brother thanks so much you bet thank you for listening to the sovereign man podcast If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.